will be put on hold on this program today. We will get back to talking about the business of sports, but we have to we have to go back and we have to try and explain some things, talk about some things, and maybe grieve together as many did yesterday. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. I'm 41 years old. I was born on October the 17th, 1978. Kobe Bryant was 41 years old as well. And I say was with a heavy heart because he's no longer with us. Passing away with eight others in a helicopter crash in Calabasas in California yesterday. So I say this as a 41-year-old still with you and, and so blessed to have the job that I do. I am blessed beyond measure, all reasonable and otherwise. Hope you recognize that you are as well. Hope this finds you and your family close and in a really good place. And my DMs will always be wide open at Jmart Zone for a faith-based conversation. You've heard a lot. You've heard from experts. You've heard from players. You've seen the outpouring. There's an outpouring now at Lower Marion High School where Kobe played. You saw the Staples Center. You see right now the Empire State Building in New York City is purple and gold. In New York, you've heard the competitors that despised him while they had to deal with him and people that he met in his post-playing career. You've seen so many journalists write about it. Everybody has had a take on Kobe Bean Bryant, the life that he lived. And so there's not that much that I can add to that. Here's what I started to think about yesterday as the outpouring happened. Just how positive it was, how sad everyone was together. And I mean positive in terms of how they viewed Kobe. And how he had seemingly touched so many lives in so many different ways. And I I immediately started to wonder, why is this one different? Why does this one hit different? I saw that from a number of people, colleagues, people that I knew in the industry, people just randomly as well, that they were tearing up and they had never teared up because of something like this before. Why is this one hitting different? than Muhammad Ali or some of these others. And that's not to talk about them not being as important. Every death is incredibly important. And it affects the life of a family every single time. As a matter of fact, before we even go forward, in addition to Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gianna, let me name John Altabelli, Carrie Altabelli, Alyssa Altabelli, Christina Mauser, Sarah Chester, Peyton Chester, and Ara Zobayan, the pilot. Those are the other individuals that didn't survive this crash. Kobe and Gianna are the ones that we're going to talk about, but let's not forget there were some other families that suffered some serious losses yesterday and those that they had touched within their lives. A lot of lives got altered yesterday due to this incident. Let's not lose sight of that. But before we talk about some of the complicated legacy and sort of the eerie timeliness of this happening 
on the heels of something that I talked about on this program last week. And even on my Sunday morning Fox show, I was talking about Kobe with LeBron passing him on Saturday night to become third in the all-time scoring list in the NBA and how I thought that Kobe felt like a Laker, that LeBron never would. He would always feel like a Cavalier to me, but that Kobe, whenever you see the Lakers floor, I always would think of Kobe. He's one of those guys. You think of Magic. You think of Kareem, but honestly, I usually I would think of Magic and and Kobe and Shaq and I mean Kobe would be right there at the top of that list. I loved him. He's one of my favorite players of all time. I loved watching him compete. I loved doing. I loved watching him do what he did. But why is it that this one hits different? Because it does, right? It just feels different. You can't really un, you can't really explain why, but I actually think you can. I told you he's forty one years old. His first season in the NBA was 96-97. That was basically my senior year in high school as I graduated in May of that year, of 97. So basically the NBA season started just a few months after I began my senior year in high school in Winston-Salem, North Carolina at North Forsyth. And that might not make any sense to you right now, but here's why it does. I think that Kobe Bryant's death the reason it hits the way that it does for so many people is because this is, and it may not be the first, but it might be the most high profile. I can't think of another one that is this way. It is one of the first truly generation inclusive deaths that we have seen. And here's what I mean by that. I said Kobe started his playing career in 1996. Let's say you were born in the year 2000. So he was already four years into his NBA career before you were even born. He won his last championship in back-to-back years in 2009 and 2010. So if you were born in 2000, you were nine or 10 years old and you still saw Kobe Bryant win a championship. I saw him win one right around the time you were born. And I could appreciate that, but you were nine or 10. And I think by that age, you could remember it and you could actually see and understand who this guy was and how good he seemed to be at what he was doing. The first sporting events that I really remember in any level of depth, there are two of them for me. One is the Bears destroying Tony Eason and the Patriots. That 85 Bears team that was so dominant with Jim McMahon at quarterback, but that defense and just the shellacking in that Super Bowl. I remember watching it at my grandmother's house on the bed that I would sleep in when I stayed over there. The family was there, but I watched the Super Bowl there. And the second event that I remember was the 1987 NCAA College Basketball Championship where Keith Smart hit the shot that sent Indiana to the promised land, beating Ronnie Cycli and the Syracuse Orangemen. I remember it because of the Keith Smart shot. I remember my dad was watching it, and then I remember going back and watching that shot in slow motion on my VCR. And then from then on, I can tell you, I remember the 88 game because my father used to tape a lot of sporting events, so he, he taped that one. He also taped the 89 game with Glenn Rice in Michigan. And then it goes on and on from there. But the two earliest memories that I really have of sports, I was seven years old, I think it would be, for that Super Bowl. And I was nine years old when Keith Smart beat Syracuse, and Indiana won the national championship. I remember those things. 
at 41, and I'm starting to forget some stuff here and there, which is good because I'm, I need to make new space for new memories. There's a lot of cool things happen in my life. But if you were 9 or 10 and you still got to see Kobe Bryant win a championship and play at the level Kobe Bryant was still playing at at that point in time, it was impossible not to be able to appreciate that and be affected by it. We are seeing people right around that age, born 2000, that are now entering the NBA or playing high-level college basketball. Joel Embiid and people like that, they're a little bit older, but not too much, saying they wouldn't be here without Kobe Bryant. When his career started, they might not have known it. When when his career started, they might have still been teething or learning to walk. But he was still playing, still dominant, still transcendent as a needle-moving icon in one of the most important sports franchises, not just in the NBA, not just in American sports, but globally as a brand, the Lakers, you couldn't even possibly put into words how important they are. So you've got the young generation paying attention. You've got me, who was graduating high school when Kobe was coming to prominence. I was in college when he won the dunk contest of that age. And I'd been watching Jordan. Before that. And then there's the group that came before me. The generation that came before me. That watched Magic and Bird. And I mean, I saw that stuff too as well. And the Pistons in the late 80s. But even before that, the people that were watching Willis Reed and George Gervin and some of these guys that loved basketball. That became hoopsheads during that point in time. Jerry West, Elgin Baylor, all of those folks that saw the NBA and the glitz and glamour. And when Jordan retired, or even when he went to Washington, there seemed to be a void. Who filled that void for those people that loved and ate and sweat basketball? It was Kobe and Shaq going to Los Angeles. And a young Kobe Bryant being the future of the league that you could see right before your very eyes. So it didn't matter how old you were. Yeah, if you were born in 2010, you might have missed a little bit of the boat. But the vast majority, not just the people listening to me, but the people across this globe, know who Kobe Bryant was in more than a tertiary sense. They didn't just know his name. They didn't just know he played basketball. They got to see it. And not only did they get to see it, here's another really important point about this. There are athletes that you watch that don't need to be explained. Now, if you're a sports aficionado, you're somebody that's a hardcore fan that gets into the stats, that really pays attention to everything, you can sit down and explain to anybody why what you're watching is important to you. And you can go through stats and you can tell all these people these things. You can sit there next to And I mean like somebody that's not a big sports fan. You can say, well, here's why this guy's good. Because he does this, because he does this, because he does this. All this kind of thing. And then there are those folks that if you sit down with a brain, not even a sports acumen, and watch, you recognize, holy cow, this person is special at this. With no other knowledge, you can see it. 
Kobe Bryant is one of those athletes as well. One of the select few that didn't require a lengthy explanation as to why he was good. You could see it with your eyes. The eye test, he didn't just pass it. He passed it with flying colors and ruined the curve for everybody else. So why did it resonate so much? It resonated because it crossed generational lines. Everybody could appreciate it. And the new generation, the next generation, that are just now coming into the workforce, they saw it. Me, that's been in the workforce for 20 years, I saw it. My father, he saw it. And he saw some of the greats of all time prior to Kobe Bryant ever stepping on a floor. But we still saw greatness. And there's one other thing about greatness that should be mentioned, and that is it doesn't become obsolete. True greatness, transcendent-level greatness doesn't get replaced. Not as a human being. Yeah, the iPod's going to be replaced by any number of other iterations, and eventually the iPod wasn't necessary because they put an iPod on a phone. And then other companies were able to put out their versions of it. And an iPad, you can always make a better screen. But the concept itself wasn't going to change. But technology is different than human beings. Greatness in human beings is greatness in human beings. Knowledge might make some of the things that you've discovered seem obsolete. Things are changing. But greatness is still greatness. Albert Einstein is timeless. The Wright brothers and what they did with an airplane is timeless. We still talk about Jordan the way we talk about Jordan in American sports. We're probably not going to forget about Michael Phelps. Those numbers are probably going to be there for a very, very long time. True greatness is hard to define because even though we all have some level of it inside us for something, and many of it is quiet, a lot of those things are quiet that other people would never see. And hopefully we all figure out what it is that our greatness is, what it is we were blessed with, and are able to use that to better the world. But Kobe Bryant's greatness is that rarefied greatness that defies explanation and doesn't require it. When you watched him play, you knew it instantly. And it didn't matter how old you were. As long as you could formulate thought, you watched that guy in wonder and in awe. That, folks, is why yesterday happened after the fact. It's why everyone came together and unified behind. Ultimately, he was just a guy that played basketball, which doesn't seem so prolific, but it but it is because our escapes are important in life. The things that take us away from impeachment trials and rocket shots at embassies and all of these things and the stuff in our personal lives that are tragic and the illness and the pain and the mistakes and all this, we all need escapes. And Kobe brought us entertainment and he inspired a lot of our children 
And maybe he inspired us. And he worked so hard his entire career to get where he got. There are many reasons for it. But the reason that this one seems to sting differently in every group, like everybody in this building today would have been able to to say this. And I was, you know, people, multiple people were asking me about it and talking to me about it. And I said, it's because it defies age. And we just haven't seen that on this level with someone like this. Now, when we come back, Kobe also lived a pretty controversial life at times. But we cannot pick up rocks because everybody's house, everyone is surrounded by panes of nothing but glass. If you have thoughts, 615-737-1045. I will be right back as we continue to look back on a shocking and very, very sad weekend and hopefully honor the memory of someone that brought us so much entertainment and enjoyment throughout his very short life. We'll be right back here on 104.5 The Zone. Zone. Welcome back to the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin, your host. We're brought to you by Renters Warehouse. They're dedicated to putting homeowners on the path to financial freedom through rent estate, renting your home without having to do the hard stuff. Renters Warehouse, the rent estate company. Kobe Bryant was 41, passed away yesterday tragically, and united so many different groups. Yesterday, I don't think we were thinking about where you are on the political spectrum as you were saying nice things about Kobe on social media, even if we disagree. Everybody just kind of came together and we're sad. And I believe we were sad because this was the highest profile generation-inclusive death we've ever experienced. And I don't know if anyone else has said that. I don't want to take credit for it if they have, but I haven't heard it anywhere. It's just what came to me that even those that were born four years after his NBA career started saw him win a championship when they were old enough to remember it and saw the best of his career. And I saw it, and of course I remember it, as someone that's also 41 years old. But Kobe did leave a complicated legacy in 2003. We know what happened in Colorado, or we know portions of it at least. I would tell you that the more that I've read about that over the past handful of years in particular, I believe that he's guilty of adultery, and that's about all I'm willing to say. But I wasn't there. That's just speculation. Settlement out of court. That doesn't mean guilt, doesn't mean innocence. But there were there were problems there. And at times he was bristly. He was bristly with the media at times in his career. He was tough with other players. He said some things that he regretted. He was such a competitor, it was almost a fault. And there were people yesterday that use this as the moment to say, we should not honor this man for X reason or Y reason. And then I saw a very appropriate comment, a very pertinent quote that said, 
it is possible to mourn for imperfect people. And I stopped on a dime when I read it, not because I didn't already know it, but because of how simple it is to just put that back out there and hopefully reach everyone. Because, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. If we could not mourn imperfect people, we could not mourn. If we couldn't mourn those who had made mistakes, even egregious ones, if we couldn't mourn their passing, then we could never mourn. Because not one of us is perfect. Not one of us is perfect today. Maybe it's something you did. Maybe it's something you said. Maybe it's something you wish you should have said. Maybe it's just a thought that went into your head for a few seconds. And you're like, where did that come from? We are imperfect. Every single day. As hard as we try. We will not be perfect. We will hurt people, sometimes unintentionally. We'll break rules. We'll look for ourselves and no one else. We'll try to take the credit. We are flawed. The world is broken. It's okay to mourn and feel sorry for the loss of someone that maybe there were a few transgressions in his past. And it's okay to talk about those things as well. But we have to remember, we all are surrounded by glass. The walls around us are glass and they're not bulletproof. Far from it. The roofs over our heads, not bulletproof. Glass. If we have a door, it's glass. We can't pick up a stone. We shouldn't even have one inside those walls. We can't judge someone's character. We can judge actions but we also have to recognize our own fallacies our own errors our own prejudices our own mistakes so yeah he wasn't perfect there's no question about that how imperfect we don't know but we can guess because all we have to do is look in the mirror at another piece of glass that shows us our own reflection and think of how many times we've done the thing we shouldn't have done. We thought the thing that we shouldn't have thought, and we wish if we could take it back and have it to do all over, we could actually fix it. But you can't rewrite history. You can't work it off. It's a fact of life, 
And depending on your viewpoint, it's either incredibly saddening or to me it is something that makes me want to get up and applaud and scream from the top of my lungs that I'm thrilled that I don't have to feel guilty about it every five seconds. Just be aware of it. It's okay to mourn the imperfect, folks, I promise you. Let's get to a phone call. Alexander in Nashville joins us up first here on the Big Six. Alexander, what's up? Hey, man, first and foremost, man, thank you for just saying that. Because, you know, you took the words right out of my mouth. We've been talking about Kobe all day, you know, comparing them to the greats and all that. And I've always said everybody has their own legacy. You can't compare legacies with other people because you don't know what other people have been through. Everybody had to take a different route. You know, Kobe wasn't perfect. He didn't try to be. But, you know, in the eyes of his daughters, he was. And, you know, I want to send my condolences to his entire family, you know, the entire Laker organization, just everybody who's affected by it, man. And the fact that, you know, they died, you know, going somewhere and going to do something that they love to do. You know, his, his daughter, Gigi, and, you know, we, we threw this idea that hopefully, like, maybe Staples Center will come together and say, you know what, let's put her jersey up by her dad. Because she was always there. She was going to follow in his footsteps. So, so hopefully you see something like that. But I just want to, you know, send my condolences to the family, every fan out there across the world. Thank you, Alexander, and well said. UConn women's basketball has a jersey on their bench today with flowers around it for Gianna. And she was definitely on the pathway to being something really, really special in terms of someone we might actually know. She was already special to her family, and she was so special to her father. If you saw those photos yesterday, they're still coming out today. And the way that he talked about her, he was so proud of who she was becoming. And he saw greatness in her future, and he wanted it for her. When we come back, I'm going to play a piece of audio for you that you've probably never heard before. It's not Kobe Bryant. It relates to something I talked about on Friday regarding Antonio Brown. And I think it's fitting today to let you hear it from the person who wrote it and then think about that. After the fact, 615-737-1045. I will be right back here on 104.5 The Zone. Zone. Don't give it away. Welcome back. Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone. 615-737-1045. That's how you reach the program. Obviously, one story and one story only, and it's not the Super Bowl. 3HL in the midday, 180 will be on Radio Row Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So that's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of conversations you won't hear anywhere else. But Kobe Bryant passing away yesterday at the age of 41. I talked about why I think this death hits so hard to so many different people and why, if you couldn't make sense of why it was hitting so hard, It does because it's intergenerational. It's generationally inclusive. Even if you were born in 2000, you saw Kobe win a championship when you were old enough to remember it. 
and you could contextualize and see the greatness without anybody having to sit down that some giant sports junkie if you're just a casual fan and say, here's why Kobe Bryant is good as you're watching it. Your eyes would tell you that. On Friday, we spent almost the entire show talking about Antonio Brown and why I didn't want to be part of the chorus anymore, and I feel like no one should that's making any kind of levity about his situation at all and just hoping he gets his his life around him. And I, I referenced a book, and I referenced an exercise in that book, and it was Stephen Covey. He wrote a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People, and in it he does a funeral exercise. And I kind of laid it out in broad swaths what that was. But I want you to listen to this audio. This is Stephen Covey reading from his own book. I believe he recorded this last decade, maybe. And I found the audio itself, and I just want you to hear it in his words. And I want you to think about what you read about Kobe Bryant yesterday as you listen to Stephen Covey. In your mind's eye, see yourself going to the funeral of a loved one. Picture yourself driving to the funeral parlor or chapel, parking the car and getting out. As you walk inside the building, you notice the flowers, the soft organ music. You see the faces of friends and family you pass along the way. You feel the shared sorrow of losing, the joy of having known, that radiates from the hearts of the people there. As you walk down to the front of the room and look inside the casket, you suddenly come face to face with yourself. This is your funeral, three years from today. All these people have come to honor you, to express feelings of love and appreciation for your life. As you take a seat and wait for the services to begin, you look at the program in your hand. There are to be four speakers. The first is from your family, immediate and also extended. Children, brothers, sisters, nephews, nieces, aunts, uncles, cousins, and grandparents who have come from all over the country to attend. The second speaker is one of your friends, someone who can give a sense of what you were as a person. The third speaker is from your work or profession. And the fourth is from your church or some community organization where you've been involved in service. Now think deeply. What would you like each of these speakers to say about you and your life? What kind of husband, wife, father, or mother would you like their words to reflect? What kind of son or daughter or cousin? What kind of friend? What kind of working associate? What character would you like them to have seen in you? What contributions, what achievements would you want them to remember? Look carefully at the people around you. What difference would you like to have made in their lives? That's from Stephen Covey's book, a Tim reading from his own book, which came out many, many years ago, called The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. I talked about it on Friday. I've mentioned it a couple of times on this show, that exercise called the funeral exercise. I'm going to play that audio again to end this show. You won't hear my voice after it. It's actually going to be the close of the show tonight as well. We're going to take a break now so we can get back on our clock because I went a little bit long in the first segment. But I want you to think about being at your own funeral and what you would want those people to say about you, your friends, your family, and loved ones, maybe even strangers. 
and people that are associated with your church or if in lieu of a church, some community organization or some kind of charity work that you're associated with, people that you work with, all of those, what would you want to hear them say at your funeral? And now stop and think about what was said yesterday, what you saw on Twitter, what you saw on Facebook, what you saw on Instagram, what you saw on television last night, what you heard on the radio all day today or heard all day on the radio yesterday about Kobe Bryant. And we'll talk about what you didn't hear and what you did hear. And I think there's a real conclusion about Kobe Bryant's 41 years that will definitely be uplifting, even if it's heartbreaking that we lost him. This is a man that did not waste much of the time that he was given. We'll be right back. Special edition of the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Down. Final segment, Big Six, here on 104.5, the zone is Super Bowl week, but, and you want to know how big Kobe Bryant was and how much he meant, the Lakers-Clippers game tomorrow night has been postponed because the Lakers spent almost all day today with grief counselors, and I think some of the Clippers did as well, and Doc Rivers could barely even speak yesterday, the Clippers head coach. The last two times that an NBA game of any type was canceled for some kind of an event like this, some kind of real tough death or tragedy, was the Boston Marathon bombing in 2013. And the most recent before that was following the John F. Kennedy assassination on November 22, 1963. And now Kobe's death has brought... L.A. basketball to a halt. So the audio I played right before the break was Stephen Covey. His book was called, or is called, even though he's no longer with us, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. It's still regarded as one of the great self-help, one of the great business, one of the great productivity books ever conceived or written. And in it, he lays out what's called the funeral exercise, which is you attending your own funeral. I'm going to play the audio at the very end of the show. You will not hear my voice after it. Because I think it will leave you thinking maybe about yourself, but also about Kobe. And during the break, I brought up Kobe Bryant's basketball stats. And that exercise basically lays out what would you want to hear at your own funeral? What would you want people to say about you after you were gone? And then think about what you heard and saw people saying or writing about Kobe Bryant yesterday and today. You know what most of them weren't doing? They weren't saying he was important, man. He mattered. He averaged 25, 4, and 4 for his career. It didn't matter. He had his 80-plus point game. He scored the most points in history of Madison Square Garden with 60-plus. 60 I think it was 61 points. Spike Lee tweeted out an Instagram photo of Kobe signing the game sheet from that because Spike was, of course, the, the famous Knicks fan. And Kobe blaming it on Spike said, hey, you created this because he came in and destroyed the Knicks. You're not hearing people talk about Kobe's game as much as what Kobe's game meant to him or what his life meant to him. And that backs up the exercise. What you read in the book is that the exercise is as you get older, the tangible doesn't mean as much. It's about the intangible. 
One thing I saw just a couple of minutes ago was Shaquille O'Neal's son, Sharif, went on Instagram and posted a photo of his phone, a conversation he had had with Kobe, who he called Unk. Kobe had texted him just a couple of hours before the crash yesterday. And all that message said from Kobe was, you good, fam? Meaning, how are you doing, son of my great friend? And so they replied a little bit, or he replied, and Kobe didn't ever send anything back to him for obvious reasons. So Kobe at 8.19 a.m. on Shaquille O'Neal's son's phone wrote, you good, fam? A couple of hours later, and, and Sharif just said, this is what Sharif said, and this is right here, the kind of thing that you would want someone to say about you after you were gone. And this is exactly what Shaquille O'Neal's son had to say about Kobe after the crash when he posted this. He writes, the first picture were messages from this morning. I wish I didn't sleep in so I could have talked to you. I can't even think straight right now. I'm glad we got to bond over the years. Not only were you a great uncle, you were a coach and a mentor to me too. I love you, man. Thank you for everything you've done for this city, for the basketball world, and for me, I won't let you down. You always counted on me and lifted me up. Love you, Unc. What would you want people to say about you after you were gone? I can tell you that the five lines I just read to you, I would love to have included in what people said about me. That I was able to inspire them or make their day just a little bit brighter. That I took responsibility that I was a good father, that I was a good husband, that I was a good son, that I treated people with respect. Another thing I was thinking of, of Kobe's five championships, do you know why he won five? Because he wasn't satisfied with four. It's why he won an Academy Award. He constantly was looking for the next thing. He was an ultimate competitor. But this ain't about how much he averaged or how many championships he won. It's about a legacy that he left. So on this sad day, as we close up the local portion of 104.5 The Zone's programming, Vol Calls is up next. I want you to hear again Stephen Covey read from his own book. And I want you, as you hear this exercise laid out, to think about what you read and saw about Kobe Bryant yesterday and today and think about your own life. I'll talk to you on Wednesday. I'm off tomorrow. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless. And here is Stephen Covey. In your mind's eye, see yourself going to the funeral of a loved one. Picture yourself driving to the funeral parlor or chapel, parking the car and getting out. As you walk inside the building, you notice the flowers, the soft organ music. You see the faces of friends and family you pass along the way. You feel the shared sorrow of losing the joy of having known that radiates from the hearts of the people there. As you walk down to the front of the room and look inside the casket, you suddenly come face to face with yourself. This is your funeral, three years from today. All these people have come to honor you, to express feelings of love and appreciation for your life. As you take a seat and wait for the services to begin, you look at the program in your hand. 
There are to be four speakers. The first is from your family, immediate and also extended. Children, brothers, sisters, nephews, nieces, aunts, uncles, cousins, and grandparents who have come from all over the country to attend. The second speaker is one of your friends, someone who can give a sense of what you were as a person. The third speaker is from your work or profession. And the fourth is from your church or some community organization where you've been involved in service. Now think deeply. What would you like each of these speakers to say about you and your life? What kind of husband, wife, father, or mother would you like their words to reflect? What kind of son or daughter or cousin? What kind of friend? What kind of working associate? What character would you like them to have seen in you? What contributions, what achievements would you want them to remember? Look carefully at the people around you. What difference would you like to have made in their lives? 